What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your spoon tonight with Braden. How's it going, sir? It's good. It's, it was an interesting week of Premier League action. I'm excited to talk about it, uh, talk about how our bets did, and I think it's going to be a lively week with a lot to discuss. Absolutely. And Will sadly could not make it today. So keep him and his family in your prayers. But we have a lot of football to cover. And I'm going to hand it off to Braden to see how the two of them did this past week in terms of betting. Yeah, so uh, with Sapoon out for the prediction podcast, uh, contrary to his assertions, he did not submit any picks for us. Uh, so I submitted one. I'm not giving you 991 to Arsenal. I'm just not doing it. Uh, it sets a bad example for all the listeners. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you're new to the podcast, here's what we do each week. Uh, we get a thousand pod bucks. That's 100 bucks per game uh, to d- distribute however we want through the 10 matches of the week. And so we kind of tallied up on three way money lines and see how we did. Uh, so Will and I had a very tight week last week. Uh, on again the thousand dollars wagered, uh, Will returned ten seventy five fifty five, and I returned ten seventy eight oh seven. A difference of less than three dollars, which uh, is really, <laughs> really pretty something. Like it's um, Will picked more games correct than me. Uh, Will had five correct, and I had four. Um, I had a bigger bet on Newcastle and Everton and Fulham and West Brom, and that was kind of the difference. Um, so a uh, little bit of tough luck there to Will, um, but that, hey, that's how it goes sometimes. Absolutely. And it seems like I should take uh, more betting days off, given how well both of you did. Nobody needs to hear my dumbass predictions. But a prediction that Will had before, right before the season started was Crystal Palace being in the relegation zone and the performance they put in against Wolverhampton Wonders definitely warrants some thought into that. 2-0 comprehensive win, in my opinion, for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think Will had uh, Raul Jimenez to score and Wolves to win bet. I think one of the more uh, quieter games for Raul Jimenez this time around. I'm going to hand it off to you, Braden. So many changes for Wolves. Finally seems like the team is clicking. And do you think this is a a sign of good things to come for this club? I I think you're right there as far as Wolves feeling like they're a little more fluid. They they really controlled this game, I felt like. And and I think that they're they're pretty much on top from the outset. Surprising to not see Jimenez uh, get on the score sheet, but I do think that uh, we've talked about this some. I do think that Palace are a team that can kind of pack it in defensively and make it difficult for um, a primary target, and so you need your other guys to step up. And I think that's exactly what happened for Wolves this game. Uh, Potence got a goal. Um, uh, kind of those peripheral pieces, I think, were impactful for Wolves in this match, and that's going to be what they need to do because. You know, Jimenez is, I think, is a very good player. I think he uh, makes a lot of smart runs and is very impactful in the games, but he can't he can't do it every single game. He's, he's not a striker that I think can completely carry a team. And so seeing some of these other pieces step up for Wolves, I think will be a big impact for them going forward. 
I completely agree. And as far as Crystal Palace are concerned, this is a sign of troubling things, in my opinion. Uh, days that they cannot get uh, Wilfred Zaha the ball, it doesn't look good. And the problem is, more and more teams are willing to give uh, Batshuayi the space. They're willing to give Eze the space. And I think until those guys can take at least a couple of points off, other teams and like start doing a little bit i think this could become a journey for crystal palace where they'll struggle we say this every time we said the same thing last year and they keep giving it to zaha and he keeps doing his thing so i think at some point it something has to change and for crystal palace as long as roy hodson's going to be there this is how they're going to play and i just don't see any reason for uh believing in crystal palace so i i agree with that i think the only kind of counterpoint to that is I think that Palace are kind of fine losing this match against Wolves. Like I think that they're they ideally keep it low scoring, they keep it close, and if it doesn't turn out that way, that's kind of no big deal, right? Like Palace are gonna keep dust it off and try to do the exact same thing. And I I do think that Zaha is a type of player that just completely dominates the teams that Palace have to beat. Like, he's so impactful in that game. Like, when he played Fulham, like, he just completely dominated that match. And so, when Zaha does that, that's going to keep Palace up. I I think that's just straight out enough to keep Palace up, but it's not really enough to do much further because I think you're right. When they play a team like Wolves, when they play teams that are actually top half of the table teams, I don't think they have much to offer there. Absolutely. And uh, I will say as a final word on Wolves, it sucked for them not to end up in a European spot at the end of last season. But I think that might be the reason that they have a good year this year, because it feels like a transition year for them where they there seem to be a couple of gaps like they're trying to fill the hole left by Jota and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Wolves are going to benefit not having Europe, not having the fixture congestions, especially not having to play in Europa and not having the depth. So a team to definitely keep an eye out on in a year that the Premier League is going to be wide, wide open. The team that came into the season as champions, not I wish they were champions, a team that came into the season as, uh, I should say, favorites at least according to me but for a lot of people Liverpool were but I would say co-favorites at the very least in Manchester City going into Bramall Lane and getting a 1-0 win not very impressed but I think for Manchester City as far as they are concerned they need the three points they needed just a win and I don't think Pep Guardiola is really happy with everything that is going on at Manchester City Another team to keep an eye out on uh, to see if there is a potential uh, implosion at some point. But as things stand, decent win, three points. We'll see what happens against Liverpool next week. It all just seems like it's very hard for City right now. Like this match, they have a brilliant chance from Ferran Torres that's denied. And and Ramsdale had a very good match, this match, I thought. Uh, It's kind of... I, I've been high on Ramsdale a while, even while he's at Bournemouth. Um, and I think this is one of the matches that showed, like, as a shot stopper, he can he can do a lot, um, even if some of the other parts of his game are a little lacking. Um, but City just kind of relied on a Kyle Walker, like, just pulling a rabbit out of a hat and a stunt, like, a great strike 
by him. And, you know, that that's kind of the quality of city that just sees them through when things aren't clicking. Uh, I, I will say just looking at uh, XG, we've talked a little bit about city and how uh, previous years they've dominated XG and, and the results maybe sometimes didn't go their way. Uh, this was trending a little bit more towards that direction. Like on XG basis, city were kind of a dominant team. Uh, so I, I don't know. City's missing something, and maybe that's just De Bruyne at full fitness. Maybe it's Aguero at full fitness, um, and in Jesus in that as well. Uh, like having a true striker there to finish off chances. Maybe that's it. But they just don't quite look right. But if they can string together the results here, I think that I. I cautiously think they're going to be fine, but I think you're right. There is implosion potential for this team. Yeah, and I think on the other side, uh, as far as that game is concerned, Sheffield United, I think, quite frankly, look like the worst team in the league. I think they look like exactly the team that everybody expected them to be last year. Um, I think everybody kind of came in saying that they're not going to do well, and it was a very good story. And I, I just don't see it from Sheffield United this year. I'd be shocked. Like very shocked if uh, they end up staying up, end up staying in the Premier League because there's just nothing going on for them right now. The one thing that I noticed about Sheffield in this match is they really, in the second half, uh, kind of from I don't know minute like sixty five or so to eighty, I, I felt that they kind of grew into the game a little bit and tried to tried to do a little bit of what they did last season. Uh, one thing I heard the uh, broadcaster know is obviously I wasn't there, so I, I have limited knowledge of this, but they talked about the wind being um, in Sheffield United's face in the first half and then um, just kind of died in the second half, which I think stifles their the way that they want to play with long kicks from the keeper uh, up to the forward line. I think that that that's really hurtful for them. But at some point, I just watch a Sheffield team and I don't see a lot of just get the job done. Like it's it's a lot of sometimes there's decent pressure. Sometimes they look like they're going to create a little bit. I think they had a goal disallowed. And I I heard the the uh, commentator say that it would have been their first goal from open play uh, inside the box this year. And it's like that's just a terrifying statistic for them. Uh, and that's that's a problem for sure. Absolutely. So uh, Sheffield United definitely are going to be on my relegation watch list. Another team that is going to be on my relegation watch list are the team that are right below them, a Burnley Football Club. Uh, Chelsea went in, played in a 4-3-3 Conte holding uh, mid formation and a lot of people have been telling me that that's the formation they can play i think that works against a team like burnley who are not going to come out and press you and try to uh, take the ball off of you in the midfield good 3-0 win lampard needed that i think chelsea needed that i'll tell you what the player for them that might end up being the signing that really galvanizes them is hakim ziak and i've been talking about him since he he's officially signed in February, right after the January window. Been very excited to see him in the Premier League. Now that excitement's turned into kind of uh, being terrified. Yeah, that's a little nervous. I I do think he's a piece that makes Chelsea a lot better. I think he's the most kind of ready-made to come into the league. Um, whereas 
Werner's I, I I will say that I think Werner's goal showed a little bit of maybe he's starting to get used to things going on a little bit because it was a very uh it, it was a very composed just take a touch, get it on the foot and bury in the corner. Kind of a, just a natural finish as you expect strikers to have that I think Werner hasn't really showed at times this year. Like it's been a lot of heavy first touches, things like that. And if that starts clicking, this Chelsea team's going to be a lot more dangerous. They still have the questions at the back. Burnley aren't good enough to exploit that. But I think what Chelsea did here is going to be kind of their blueprint for when they play teams like Burnley that want to just let them have the ball and aren't going to really go have a that much of a go at them. And I think it's going to work. I don't know that this works against teams that are going to put up more of a fight. Most definitely agree. And I do think as far as Timo Warner is concerned, he needs to score against bigger teams. Like, and the same mark that uh, Lukaku was judged by, because he was scoring for fun against the shitty teams and people will bring up his record against the big six. And I'm like, I personally don't have a problem when strikers don't score against the big six because there are very few goals normally when two big six teams play against each other. But Timo Werner does need, I guess we'll see in the upcoming weeks how he uh, galvanizes the team. With Ziak, I think him uh, as striker, Pulisic out there, Havertz, Mount, I think it's going to be a fun time for them. But it also, in my opinion, has a potential where a team might just slap them. Because like that defense is still not very good, and I think Conte as a, as a single pivot is still kind of iffy in my opinion. Like I know you love him, but uh, I just don't think he is meant to play a single pivot. I mean, I think that's fair, and I also don't know that Conte is the player that he was a few years ago. Like just in terms of the sheer like dominant force to win the ball back in midfield. Like he's still a very good player. I'm not trying to say that he's not, but. There, there was a time where I, I felt like Conte was in the top five, top ten players in the world, and I don't think he's that anymore. I think you're right about the point that as a single pivot, I don't know that that works. I think that they need a Kovacic beside him. I think they need to figure out that balance for bigger teams. But you know, fair play to Frank for not, you know, being that defensive ahead. against a, a Burnley team that's not going to pose that problem absolutely and as far as Burnley are concerned I know they have a game in hand but um I just don't have a lot of uh, good feelings when I watch the Burnley team now um, to be very honest I never have had very good feelings yeah no one ever does. finally yeah finally seems like the year that they might actually go down a team that I really wish would go down our fucking Liverpool football club who ended up winning the game 2-1 against the Hammers. David Moyes' magic kind of uh, waved away as Mo Salah uh, with a penalty and Diogo Jota scored their two goals to ensure a victory at Anfield for Liverpool football club. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this game to be very honest, I think the penalty, like if that was Manchester United, a lot of people would be saying a lot of things. I'm not going to, you know, keep harping on about how nobody says anything about Mo Salah and his, uh, you know, tendency to become an Olympic uh, swimming diving champion from time to time. But other than that, Diogo Jota seems like a decent signing. 
Liverpool without Van Dijk still don't seem very convincing. And I think this weekend when it's Manchester City playing Liverpool under the lights, it's going to be a fun, fun game. I, I think that's a fair analysis. I do think that West Ham may have scored too early in this match because I think they scored the goal and then tried to sit back and hold on to it. Like I think their plan is always, if we can get the first goal, we're just going to defend for our lives and try to hold on. And it didn't really work out. And, and maybe that goal comes in the 50th minute or something. And they're one nil up there. Maybe we're talking about a different story, but you know, at some point Liverpool just break you down. If, if you invite that much pressure, that's just, they thrive off of what they do. Um, that's fair about the penalty. I don't. Yeah, it, it was a little soft. <laughs> we'll, we'll just I say mean, that uh, it's a little soft. Like it's probably a penalty, but it was a little soft. Yeah, I mean, again, like if you're gonna call that, call that every single fucking game. That's all I'm gonna say. That's fair. But as far as West Ham goes, though, I'm I have been impressed with what David Moyes has been able to accomplish because I didn't have any expectations from that team. So, kudos to David Moyes. Don't really say that very often. Um, very glad that you're not my manager, though. Having said that, a player that I really wished was at Manchester United in the Aston Villa-Southampton game, not named Jack Grealish, is Jamie Ward-Prowse. An amazing performance from him in the first half. And overall, Southampton Football Club beating a one-time title contender, Aston Villa, 4-3. to I don't know what the fuck happened to make the scoreline 4-3, to like that last goal, I'm like, McCarthy, like positioning. Did someone teach you that throughout your goalkeeping career? I don't know where all of that went. Brilliant from Southampton until they can see that those late goals, but can't really take too much away. Big, big win for them at Villa Park. Villa really, I feel like needed to win this game to kind of make a statement to be like, hey, we are here for the top half. Losing this game kind of puts them, in my opinion, back into that bottom half along with Manchester United. So what are your thoughts on Jackie Boy and them letting us down after we kind of hyped them up a little bit early on? This is a really hard game for me to dissect here because I do think that Southampton were kind of reliant on James Ward-Prowse just banging in free kicks. And he's very good at that. Like, if he's not the best, he's absolutely like top three free kick takers in the Premier League. Uh, and outside of that, Southampton didn't really do that much. And so I kind of felt like Villa looked like the better team at times. They just weren't getting the goals until all of a sudden like, Southampton just decided to not really play that much, play that hard anymore. And McCar- McCarthy is a legitimately bad keeper. Every, everyone kind of likes him because he's a decent fantasy option and like he's kind of okay. But I, I, I have never been impressed by watching him. It seems like there's always kind of a cheap goal. And I think the Grealish goal is a great example of that, of just, you know, I, I don't know what he was doing there. Like just nowhere near it. Didn't really make a move towards the ball. Like just, conceded it what in my opinion was just a miserable goal to concede that way and so i don't know like i i made a joke to someone over this weekend that southampton went as a good team for halloween and i don't (laughs) that's kind of how i feel like i feel like they're imposters in this match like i i 
saw a team that was just mostly bailed out by James Ward Prowse. And if they didn't have James Ward Prowse, this might the the scoreline that we looked at on you know going into the last fifteen minutes might have been lopsided in the other direction. Absolutely. And I, I just think as far as Southampton are concerned, these are games that they're kind of going to have to overperform expectations in order to get a result. They did exactly that. So happy for Southampton, a team that has been perform- overperforming their expectations were Everton Football Club, who seem to have kind of started their regular slump a 2-1 defeat at the hands of Newcastle. I think not having Richarlison and Dinia is really taking its toll. They will have Dinia back ne- next week for when they take on Manchester United. But as far as this game is concerned, credit to Newcastle, good win for them. This is a game that, you know, for as far as Newcastle are concerned, they can make sure to get their three points. And these are the games they frustrate their opponents. And... It was kind of funny to see Callum Wilson against Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Kind of, like, even though they're not actually going against each other. Very similar players, in my opinion. Like, have that one-touch finishes. Um, Wilson, very um, clinical. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, very clinical. Everton, not very good. Newcastle, okay to win the game. And that's kind of how I thought. I felt Newcastle had the better chances through most of the match. And, you know, Calvert-Lewin kind of... I don't want to say got lucky because you know strikers move to where the ball might go lots of times and not necessarily knowing the ball's going to go to him, but it's a deflected cross that just kind of falls into his path and he slots it home for a consolation goal, which is, you know, what good strikers do. That's fine. Uh, but I, I do think that Callum Wilson had a really strong game and just emphasizes to me the difference between the Newcastle team of last year and the Newcastle team of this year and just having that striker who can convert some of these chances because Newcastle didn't have that last year playing after spending all that money on Joel Linton, just not cutting it in the Premier League and, you know, adding Callum Wilson and, you know, Ryan Frazier as well came on, made an impact in this game. And so Newcastle aren't going to push to be pushed to really challenge anything, but I think they're a, I think they went from like, hey, they might get relegated to, I think they're pretty solid uh, staying up this year. Um, Everton, I if they don't have someone to stretch the pitch, this team looks pretty average pretty quick. And I think you saw it a little bit against Southampton last week without Richarlison. I think you definitely saw it here this week at Newcastle. Newcastle's very happy to sit with a deep line and make you break them down. And granted, no James, which makes a massive difference. But Everton didn't really seem to have answers to it at all. And that's a little concerning to me uh, because James isn't the youngest player out there. Like He's been around for a little while, so he might have more matches that he misses. And... I don't know. Like, I think that's a. I think it's a challenge for Ancelotti to figure out, and maybe it maybe it requires some addressing in the transfer window in January. Absolutely, and I think this is something you kept saying when early on Everton were doing well. It, this is like the first couple of weeks was not the time that Everton like really needed to you know prove it to everybody that they're for real. Like now is going to start the time that they need to prove to everybody that they are for real. And I think there's like two 
you know, Manchester against Liverpool games this weekend. And I think this one is kind of a bit more impactful for both club, both clubs as far as Everton and United are going to be concerned. We're going to cover it for the preview. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you get all our betting insights and analysis for this upcoming weekend. However, going back to Everton, James is a great player, but I think inconsistency is not the greatest in him. So again, another thing, as you said, going to the transfer window, maybe they have somebody in the academy. Those are questions that need to be answered. But as far as Everton are concerned, I would say initially, like as far as my prediction went, I said they might become an outside top four contender. I think personally at this point, they're an outside top six contender unless like all hell breaks loose, which seems like that's where we're headed, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not writing anything off this year because I think that there's a a lot of things that are going to have to be settled, whether that's how teams play. There's talk of potentially another lockdown coming in England, which I think will throw everything in the chaos, potentially. I don't know. Like, I'm not necessarily willing to write Everton off, but I think these past two results are a little bit of reality check. Like, I think it's, it's a little bit of coming back down to earth. Because I think we all got carried away early on. I also think it's just indicative of where they are as a team. You know, it's, as you said, reality, I think it's a bit more just, they're not like as impressive as they were early on in the season. It's, they had preseason, they had their signings come in and make an impact. Other teams still were waiting. So we shall see how it unfolds for them. The theater of dreams is kind of becoming a theater of nightmare for only going to Solskjaer seven years without a premier league title for Manchester United. They had gone 14 years without losing to Arsenal at old Trafford. Finally, Arsenal get their famed win against one time. What used to be a title decider now deciding who's going to have a better dance celebration pretty much when they score away from home. Aubameyang with a one nil goal. I am going to say a lot of things about Mike Dean in this game, but just to make it clear, I do think that was a penalty. So at no point I'm saying that that should not have been a penalty. Arsenal, I felt like we're like 53% and United were 47% in terms of uh, the game. I didn't necessarily see a big, big difference as if I don't know what game everybody else was watching because I heard that. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be fired. I think a couple of players played really terrible for United. But kudos to Arsenal. I know that playing Thursday and Sunday is very, very hard. And uh, coming to Old Trafford and getting a result was huge, especially the form that United were gaining. Brayden, thoughts? I So I'm mostly agree with you. I think this game was a lot more even than a lot of people have been saying. I think it's it's a big win for Arsenal to to kind of get the old Trafford monkey off her back and that, and that sort of thing. Cause there's been a lot of years where I felt like Arsenal really should have beaten man United at old Trafford. And just for whatever reason, didn't like whether it was like De Gea doing something ridiculous, whether it was just us being terrible in a day, it, it just didn't happen. And, you know, they kind of got one over the line. I think there's a lot to, 
I, Arsenal fans shouldn't get carried away with this, I think. I think there's a lot of really good performances. Partey was excellent midfield, as was uh, El Nenny. Like, El Nenny's pressing throughout the entire game was very strong. And in the last, like, the 91st minute, you see him, you know, pressing Lindelof and chasing up the field. And, you know, that's that's the kind of things that Arsenal haven't done in the past couple of years to just see out matches. And that's the type of thing that makes a big difference. And so... I don't know. This still, to me, isn't the ideal lineup for us. Like, I I still think Aubameyang needs to be central. I, Lacazette looks concerning at times. But, you know, I think El Elneny and Pare is a, is a combination that can really work for them to have a base to build on. But they need to work on building that more consistently because outside of the penalty, there really wasn't that much for all of the talk about um, how good Arsenal were at times. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of performances, Thomas Partey, like brilliant, brilliant performance. And I think his presence kind of lets El Nenny do his thing, which, you know, as you saw in the 91st minute when he went up and kind of fearlessly pressed because he was just like, hey, there's a guy who can take care of the midfield even if I like make a slight mistake. So uh, that definitely uh, goes in. And it's kind of telling of Manchester United that, uh, on a day that you needed performances, uh, the most expensive player in British transfer history is out there, can't make a five-yard pass, makes an absolutely schoolboy mistake to give away the penalty. And I think there was a, something towards the end. It just did not seem right, did not fit right, in my opinion. Taking Bruno off uh, and leaving Pogba on, I understand to a certain extent that, you know, the kid made a mistake, not the kid, the Pogba made a mistake and you're kind of letting him uh, stay up there to maybe he can rectify it. But taking Bruno off was kind of stunning to me. But I will say, Mike Dean, you're a piece of fucking shit. Like, I don't, like, I genuinely don't understand how, I forgot who the United player was, Gabriel and him got the yellows, like, Rashford, like, back-to-back. Aubameyang makes a tackle, no yellow. Holding makes a tackle, no yellow. And, like, Holding literally did the same thing Gabriel did, like, earlier in stopping a counter. I'm like, what are you doing? Gabriel with his second yellow, again, a question. And I'm not saying that he favored Arsenal or anything like that. I'm just saying, be fucking consistent, dude. And that is the one thing he doesn't seem to have in his fucking dictionary. Like, English refs. You guys need to figure out how to be consistent. Like everybody get into a room, smoke some weed and be like, hey, this is how we all interpret the rules. And then make sure to write it down because otherwise you'd forget. Yeah, I, so Mike Dean's not your guy for consistency. I know a lot of people who think he's the worst ref in the league and I don't think he's that. But he's certainly not the person who I don't feel like he takes the the way that he's calling a game into consideration when he makes a decision like it's I think it's a lot of like snap decisions it's a lot of what do I think of this in isolation and I will say that the way that Dean gave out cards for like a 10 minute stretch in the first half that Gabrielle's probably was a second yellow but really after that like 10 minute stretch Dean kind of like just swallowed his yellow cards for a while and like didn't do anything and then I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm kind of with you. It's such a odd 
it's like you set a tone that basically everything's going to be a yellow, every foul is going to be a yellow card. And then for like 30 minutes, didn't issue a yellow card <laughs> for things that were like legitimately harsh challenges. Like, cause you can talk about a bombing and they like a bombing slipped and took out, um, Bruno on what it was oh, a yeah, poor yeah. challenge. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think there was any intent in there. I don't think it should have been a red card. I don't think it was anything like that, but like, it wasn't a great challenge. Like it, it was just, it was bad. It was a striker. It, that is more challenge. of a yellow than Rashford and Gabriel's. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like, you know, I was wrong was, on Rashford. It was Greenwood, but, um, okay. I digress. Yeah. I mean like either way, but I think it's kind of stunning to me that, he, the way he went about it and i always hate the idea of when people go oh you know like maybe he took the first card into consideration and that's why he didn't give the second yellow like then you shouldn't be a ref bro like you'd like i think at that point he doesn't take down mason mason's one-on-one at the very least against leno i it's a tight angle many things can happen but he's going towards goal so that is at the very least a yellow so I think it was a bad refing performance. I'm not saying we would have won the game um, either way. I just think you needed a little bit more. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't know what is really going to happen with him. I think uh, there is a potential that we don't win against Istanbul and we don't win against Everton. And uh, those might be his last two games as Manchester United manager. But I will say this, and... If you're a Manchester United fan, just use logic with me right here. They said COVID-19 was the reason they lost a lot of commercial money. Okay. That was the reason they did not have money to go sign Jaden Sancho. Okay. But now you have money to fire a fucking manager and go get a replacement and pay him more than what the current guy is making while having to pay off assistance and the entire staff. So... Either they saved the money in order to do this, or they were lying about the money. So, United fans, you can go decide. If you want to at me, I'm at TFA Sapoon. If you want to at Braden about Arsenal or anything he has said today, TFA Braden. And please follow us as well. We drop some gems from time to time on Twitter. Having said that, do you think Arsenal finishes above United this year? Because I do. I think at this point, I would say yes, but I don't know. that It's early to say that, I think. Like, I think it's still, you know, people like to make lots of wide-ranging statements on things on a little bit of evidence. And I think it's key to remember that we're basically one-sixth of the way through the season. So... I don't know. That and, a, and a weird season on top of that. Correct. Yeah. I, I don't know that I want to get too carried away with where teams are going to finish. I, I don't know. I think that's difficult to say. I think Arsenal, you you should put your money on them to finish ahead of United right now. But that things can change. Absolutely. And uh, for all United fans out there who are quoting Roy Keane and all these ex-players saying their things, just remember, man, they're not Man United ambassadors out there. They're employed by the fucking TV company. So my just take take it though. My favorite was Roy Keane saying that the Arsenal players don't respect Arteta because Aubameyang said uh, Mikel in the uh, post game (laughs) interview. (laughs) It's like, I mean, dude, I mean, again, like it's a different era. 
You know, like, I have my problems with Pogba, but some of the things he says about Pogba, I'm just like, bro, shut up. Yeah, for like, sure. Shut up. Like, this is a, a different time and age for different players. And it seems like a different time and age because fucking Tottenham seem to be doing really, really well. They ended up winning 2-1 at Brighton. A, a game they should have won. I was impressed with Brighton again playing the way that they like to. I think Brighton will have to at some point start getting results. I'm thankful that there are like teams like Fulham and West Brom and Sheffield United, but Brighton, I had higher expectations from you. I need a little bit more. Tottenham, please fuck off. So Brighton to me look like a team that are missing a player to really lift the quality of the whole team. Like they're missing individual quality. They have lots of periods of really nice play. I felt like for probably 20 to 30 minutes or so in the second half, they were a clearly better team than Spurs were. But, you know, at the end of the day, like Spurs had a player like Gareth Bale who could finish those chances. Like they have, you know, a player like Harry Kane who creates and, you know, can also finish chances. Like there's individual talent that sees Spurs through games that I don't want to say it shouldn't have won. I felt like Spurs were, the better team over the course of the entire match. But, you know, when the time came, those players were there to, to make the difference. And I just don't think Brighton have any of those players. Like they have a lot of guys who either have potential or maybe have kind of settled into their level. And I'm thinking of Lalana who, um, I cannot believe the penalty he gave away in this match. Like, I, I just, I don't know what he's thinking and the best outcome. What, like, what do you think happens there? If absolutely everything goes your way, it's probably still a penalty. Um, I don't, that was a ridiculous challenge, but they've got a lot of players that are just kind of fine. Like Ben white looks good. Uh, Lamptey looks really good. And beyond that, it's just kind of some guys. Absolutely. And, I think as far as Tottenham are concerned, unless Europa League really derails their season in the league, I think they are going to be a top four contender at the very least. So, I mean, again, Europa League, when it gets to knockout and like Mourinho likes to really, you know, go for it and he still got the League Cup that he really likes. And I think Spurs kind of would celebrate it like they just won the fucking treble if they won the League Cup and the Europa League, over finishing top four, in my opinion. Like, that club needs a trophy, and uh, the lesser significant the trophy, the better. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, And I think Spurs should celebrate if they if they win a trophy. Like, it's been a long time for them. And so, you know, winning... I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to take the piss here. Like, I, I do think it's like... Like actually winning things becomes a habit. It's a thing that you learn how to do. And so sometimes just getting that first taste of winning is kind of a kick to to drive on to either work a little harder or just know what it takes to actually win something. And so there are times when coming close and not doing it just doesn't get you to that next level that actually just winning something does. And so... I do think that's going to be the challenge for them this year. I think that I think we're past the point where we say that where we think they're going to be top four contenders. Like I think right now they're a top four team and they're potentially a title contender the way that they're playing. Like it's a lot like we just talked about it only being 
one sixth of the way through the season. So not to get carried away, but the way is for the playing right now, they're, they're a title contender. Absolutely. And as I said, unless something drastically changes with the Europa league or, a you know, Harry Kane injury that seems to happen every single year, I think Tottenham definitely are going to be in for a shout. Moving on to the next game, a Monday night thriller between two teams that could have been playing in the championship for all you know, and it would have perfectly fitted with the quality of football. I think the t- leaders in the championship are probably like, Sapone, that is disrespectful to us. Fulham taking on West Brom. 2-0 well from Fulham. West Brom haven't looked the same since they collapsed against Chelsea in the second half. Fulham they look like what you kind of expected them to. These are games that they're going to get their points. And uh, it's a championship game from last year. And ultimately, you know, good, good on Fulham. Nothing else to say, really. I think that's fair. I think that what I've noticed from Fulham this year is that it appears that they want to be an attacking team. They want to be a team that dominates possession. That's ideally what they want to do. However, when things start to not go their way, they kind of get they kind of get off the track there and don't necessarily kind of follow through with that. And they lose kind of their influence on the game. And sometimes they just completely fall apart. West Brom aren't good enough to make that happen. And so Fulham just kind of were able to be kind of the ball dominant team and create some really good chances. Overall, like I, I felt like Fulham were pretty clearly deserved winners in this game. Um, Olaena had a really nice goal. Like it should be said, like it was really good goal outside the box. And you know, Fulham do have some players that aren't terrible. Like Adamola Lookman seems like he's a player who has kind of gotten the memo that this is kind of his last chance to to make a career for himself. And we'll see if Ruben Loftus-Cheeks also gets that memo. Like, I, I think that there's a couple guys on Fulham that if they get their heads straight and really start putting in some performances, they can stay up. But I think it's still a long shot. We shouldn't get carried away too much with this game it's a West Brom team that's not very good and is also probably getting relegated but you know this isn't that time we should be happy that Fulham won and you know let them let them enjoy this so who would you say is the worst team in the league right now Burnley and then Sheffield United yes okay which is kind of different than uh, what I at least initially thought because about three to four weeks ago, I would have told you that the two worst teams were Fulham and West Brom. So um, we shall see, as you said, still a early, early season. I, I do think that I, I, I see a path for Fulham to put together enough results to, to stay up. But I do think that they're, if they can't get the results to separate, I do think they're a team that can be just heavily, heavily beaten at times this season and that they might go down on goal difference because I do think that they're going to have some, like they had the three nil against yeah. Arsenal. Like I, I can see four nils, five nils, that sort of thing in their future as well. Absolutely. Hopefully somebody puts up seven or eight past them. I just don't like Fulham. 
general. Another team I don't like are Leeds United, who I watched absolutely get a bit slapped by Leicester City. Jamie Vardy with a brilliant performance. A brilliant performance in, from Leicester altogether, in my opinion. Leeds really missing Calvin Phillips. 4-1 result for Leicester City. Big, big win. Leeds back-to-back uh, dropping points at home. So not a good sign for them. Really tells you how important Phillips can be for them. However, I want to kind of ask you one thing. Early on in the game, Patrick Bamford 1v1 against Casper uh, Schmeichel. Obviously a one-touch finish when he gets it. He puts that goal away. It's a different story, in my opinion, we might be talking about because Leeds kind of get a bit more in their rhythm with that. He doesn't. Casper catches the ball, gives it to Fuchs, shoots it up. Vardy takes it over, ends up in the back of the net. And kind of, Leeds just kind of, you know, melted down after that because the whole first half... They kept trying to play this pass. Oh, sorry, sorry, Mike. They kept trying to play this pass. And I was just like, what is going on? So do you think Patrick Bamford can really be the guy? Because a week ago, he scores that hat trick. And I'm like, this is not the Patrick Bamford I know. And like today, the way he played is like the Patrick Bamford I know. Because last year, he took the most number of shots and had one of the least uh, returns on shots to goal ratio. So where do you place them right now? It's really tough because I'm mostly with you. I think that Patrick Bamford's performance last week was incredible. And there were some beautiful goals scored by him in that match. But I think this is kind of more of what you expect from him. Like Patrick Bamford had three chances with an XG higher than 0.5 and did not put any of them away. Like that's a, that's not, not great. That's not what you're looking for in your striker. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of indicative of where he is. I think he's a good pressing forward. I think he contributes things to the team, but I, I don't think he's, really top striker material um, in the Premier League. Like I've, I kind of think the championship is about his level, although I do think he's a player that can make a squad and contribute in the Premier League. I don't know. Like I, I, I would have some concerns about there if I were Leeds, and I would expect Rodrigo to kind of settle in and eventually take that spot. Um, Lester really good today like it's just you can see when jamie vardy is fit just this is an entirely different team and they're just so almost a spotless performance yeah yeah really for sure other than clean sheet i think they would be happy if you had told them they're gonna go smack leads for one yeah for sure like it's and the, the goal they conceded was such bullshit too like it just i i mean not bullshit like it was it should have been disallowed or anything but just like a kind of a fluke goal that you would never expect to see and lesser were on top of this the whole way through i mean you're right though if bamford converts some of those chances we're maybe talking about a game that plays out differently because goals change games like teams have to come out and defend differently attack differently when they're chasing a goal or have a goal lead and so maybe it turns out differently but you know it didn't and sometimes that's the difference Yeah, and I will say, let's uh, like one of the things I will say about Leeds, you go back to that game against Liverpool that kind of everybody was like, oh shit, like they were for real. They scored a lot of low XG goals and they have been um, over time. 
in at some point as it happened with Leicester last year, uh, ironically, it it evens out, you know, and I think Leeds they are gonna create chances, and especially against I think the lower division and lower table sides, it will be interesting to see when they just sit back like a Burnley, like a you know Fulham, West Brom, or somebody. How do they just like break that down? Because Wolves initially when they came in had that trouble as well, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on for Leeds. Um, I do agree with you in terms of worrying signs, but the only reason I wouldn't worry too much is because of how bad some of these teams behind them are. So that would be the only reason I think Leeds can be like, hey, let's just stay in the league and then we'll figure it out next year. When uh, I, I, And I also think Bielsa might just be gone after this year. Like, man doesn't have a contract. Like, you know, he, he does his own thing. He doesn't really give a fuck. So um, other than, you know, watching... Well, not watching, like playing brilliant football. So leads are going to be fun for the rest of the season. But again, this is exactly how Leicester City wants you to play against them. They want you to attack. They want you to leave spaces for Jamie Vardy and company to run in. And that's exactly what happened. Um, it is a very, like, happy uh, moment for me to see Yuri Tilsman kind of uh, get his career back on track with the goals today. It... Uh, really happy for the kid. Like at one point he was really touted as, you know, the next big thing and kind of made a couple of wrong moves in my opinion and ended up in a situation where uh, his quality didn't shine. And finally he's getting a chance again at Leicester, which um, hopefully he makes the most of it and uh, gets a big move after that. And along with that, you have Pratt who's all again playing really, really well. And if Leicester city can transition into somebody not named Jamie Vardy being able to fill in his boots over time, like they will be a team to reckon with for at least the next couple of seasons. Having said that, we definitely will see how they let us down next week when we decide to bet on them after this performance. Like clockwork. I know. That brings us to an end of all the weekend fixtures that was our review show we will have a preview show for this last weekend's games before the international break i know we all hate international breaks but something we don't hate is when people follow us on twitter or subscribe to our podcast so please go ahead and do so really helps to get the word out and i shall see you next week bye now But that brings us to an end of this weekend's fixtures for the Barclays Premier League. We'll be back. Did I say something wrong? It's not the Barclays Premier League anymore, right? Oh, well. <laughs> I, that, see, that's why United don't win. Barclays used to give Howard Webb all the money. Uh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>